I'm Jacob Aldridge. This is Don't Waste a Good Recession. Welcome to Economic Snapshot number 14 for Friday the 19th of June 2020. Looking at active COVID-19 coronavirus cases, global active cases were up by a scary 10% this week. Active cases globally now more than 3.5 million people, 450,000 dead. Brazil has been getting a lot of press this week. I note also some other South American countries like Peru and Chile have staggeringly high numbers. And so there is a degree to which a lot of countries struggling with COVID-19 are running under the, the radar given some of the high profile examples like Brazil, the US and the UK. It would seem that caution fatigue is setting in. After three months of being cautious, People are looking around, they're asking themselves, haven't we done enough? We've been locked in the house, we haven't been able to go to work, we haven't been able to go to the movies or the ballpark, we've been wearing these silly masks. Surely, after three months, we've done enough. These numbers say no. No, we have not. And reopening economies too fast means either shutting them down again soon and possibly for longer if we haven't learnt the lesson this time, or it means accepting higher death rates. And it's not just the deaths that we need to be mindful of. The chronic long-term effects of COVID-19 that it's leaving on those who actually survive the disease are still poorly understood uh, and are only just becoming evident. So those are the risks that we're facing with the choices. There is definitely more and more of a push to reopen economies but these numbers, which remember are active cases, so this is uh, after we take into account people who have recovered, this is after we take into account people who have died, this is not total cases that are in increasing as they would always do, this is only active cases and they continue to rise in the US again by 5% this week, globally by 10%. The US remains home to almost one third of the global active COVID-19 cases, Nine states in the US actually saw record numbers of new cases this week. And the UK still isn't actually publishing active case data. We're having to make some inferences ourselves. So we're not getting great data. We're not getting great leadership and management. As a, a community, caution fatigue is pushing us to take risks. I keep looking at these numbers and I keep wondering how we think this is going to be a good thing for the economy long term. Australia where being an island nation, we have some benefits. Uh, we've, we've got football again. We're allowing thousands of people into the stadiums. My family out here, we're planning our next big holiday. We're, we're travelers, digital nomads. Uh, we're looking at how we can do that locally as that number of cases declines, but that's certainly an exception globally, not the rule. If we move to the stock markets, uh, it was a little bit of a, a drop just before the economic update last week. That has been recuperated uh, for the most part. The Dow Jones, the FTSE, the ASX was down a little bit. It saw most of it uh, late on Friday, so after this went to press last week. Now, this is not an investment channel. Don't waste a good recession. It's not here about personal investment, certainly not about stock market investment. I'm here to help business owners with two to 500 staff. So why do I care so much about the stock market? Why do I spend so much time talking about it each week? Uh, partly it's because it gives us a lot of new data every week where things like unemployment, GDP growth come out every month or every quarter. There's new numbers on the markets each week and it gets a lot of noise. That's why it gets so much coverage on the evening news, for example, because something happened today. And news journalists love a horse race. They love 
being able to use, remember, the most horseshit word in financial journalism, because markets did something because. I look at it for two reasons. The reason I share this with you in the economic update for two reasons. First, it is a lead indicator of the wider economy. The stock markets crashed in March. Your business took a hit in April. Markets bounce back in April and May. Your business is doing better in May and June. So if we track the markets, we get maybe it's only a month these days, maybe it's a few months, a bit of guidance as to where the wider economy is going to be and you can position your business accordingly. Second, it does have, because of that media, an oversized impact on sentiment, business sentiment, consumer sentiment, and most importantly at the moment, perhaps government sentiment. President Trump in the US is already talking up the economy having rebounded based on the stock markets, not any of these other fundamentals. So if the markets keep climbing, if President Trump can point to the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones and say, look, it's at a new record high, then that means that governments may end stimulus packages sooner. And if that happens without the fundamentals in the economy having followed, that could have a negative effect on you and on your customers. So being mindful of the stock market without trying to speculate, certainly day to day, even week to week or month to month, learn, apply it into your business. That's what we're all about. So how do we look at it? How do we apply it into your business? As we touched on last week, the markets in the US have almost gone back to those February highs. The 12th of February here, looking at the Dow Jones index, peaked at 29,551. Uh, it closed Thursday night at 26,119. Uh, so it has rebounded. Uh, it's back up 40% since the bottom. It's still down 10% since that peak. But it, as it nears it, what direction will it go? Really, there's two ways that it goes from here. That previous peak may be acting like a ceiling. So the reason why markets dropped at the end of last week was because the S&P, which is a better gauge of the indices, it just doesn't have the history that the Dow Jones, which is why we use the Dow Jones, the S&P very nearly got back to that peak and then dropped uh, by something like 6% in a day. That peak acts as a ceiling. Do you really believe that the economy today in June is better than it was in February? when we, we thought that the COVID-19 uh, was something that wasn't a pandemic, was something that could be contained. Do you really think the economy is better now? I don't. I don't think anybody hand on heart would suggest that it is. So that peak, previous peak, may be acting as a ceiling. Every time the markets get close to that, people feel that that might be the, the ceiling of those prices and there's a bit of a sell-off. So we could see a situation where we bump into that ceiling a few times. As you can tell, a lot of my training in economics has been a bit more of a, a chartist kind of approach uh, rather than trying to look at uh, you know some of the fundamentals. I try and blend all of it in a macroeconomic way, make it mum and dad economics so that we can all understand it. I'm certainly not a cup and handle kind of chartist, you know, two candlesticks doing the char-char sort of thing, but there is a ceiling. We approached it last week. There was a drop. That could continue. If there is more of a drop, and I don't know what the level is, but at some point, the markets will start dropping and people will start selling. They will start getting out. So this is the other direction it can go, and this is the dominoes. One drop leads to another drop leads to people getting out. Now, every recession is different, and perhaps this time, fiscal policy, 
aka government stimulus and intervention, will in fact pump up the economy for 18 months. They'll just keep pumping up the underlying fundamentals, ballooning the markets, and get us through uh, from an economic, from a market perspective, the actual recession. In the past two weeks, in my role as a business advisor, I've had one-on-one conversations with more than 20 business owners, and every single one of them is reporting the sentiment that they're feeling and their networks, their suppliers, clients, they're all feeling that this will bump along positively as it is, and then the economy will go south September, October, when government programs end. We might see some of that earlier in places like the UK where the furlough program could end. We may see it later in the US, as I've talked about, where there's an election. Uh, Australia, September, October, job keepers due to end. We will see the dominoes start to fall. Now, the good news, if everybody thinks that's the case, it probably won't happen. If you ever get 100% of people thinking something will happen in the markets, in the economy, that's usually a good sign that it won't happen. The bad news, the reason it won't happen, could mean the government's creating more debt to keep things pumping along, or it could mean that things go south sooner. Remember, nobody wants to be the first domino in case they're too early, but everybody wants to be the second domino. Nobody wants to hold on and be at the very, very end of a market collapse or an economic fallout. So as soon as the dominoes start to fall, there will be a rush for the door as everybody tries to be that second domino. Uh, If you think of it in a stock market thing, having a a stop loss order doesn't really help you if the market drops by 10% in a day. Uh, You're still going to take a haircut. And in terms of your job, your customers, your suppliers, if you're not positioned strongly when that happens, then you won't be in a position to benefit from it. Now, I can't tell you the exact trigger. My belief is that we will see that downward on the, the markets flowing through to the wider economy at some point in the next six to 12 months. Uh, I can't tell you the exact trigger. I, I'm not that psychic, but when the party ends, expect to see another 1,000 or even 2,000 point down day drop on the Dow Jones. Now, in terms of the markets, you might still end up ahead of where you were three months ago, ahead of where you were 12 months ago, if you buy and hold for the long term. Again, this is not personal investment advice. But you think about it, if there's so much good news going on because the markets are strong, when they start to head south again, when we have another bloodbath day, week or month, what impact is that going to have on business sentiment, consumer sentiment and government sentiment? You can't control the stock market. You can absolutely make sure that you control the business front and make sure that you are ahead. The last two indicators Australian unemployment data for May was released this week. It was up to 7.1%. Last month, 6.2% unemployment rate was also revised upwards to 6.4%. We're showing the change based on what we have reported. This is the highest rate of unemployment in Australia since the dot-com bust and the post-September 11 economic downturn. We missed a recession in 2001, unlike the US many other economies. Uh, We still had an impact. Uh, October 2001 was the last time unemployment in Australia was this high. Underutilisation rate crept up over 20% in Australia. This means one in five working Australians can't find enough work. 25% of workers under the age of 25 have no work. And that's workers, that's people who are looking for work. That doesn't include those who are still in study or potentially have gone back to study. 
the Prime Minister of Australia said it was actually more like 838,000 Australian job losses in the past two months. When we count those people who haven't gone looking for work, haven't registered for the unemployment. And that would mean that that 7.1% unemployment is actually more like an 11% unemployment rate. And that's before we think about the 3 million Australians who are on the JobKeeper program who are not unemployed, but are being subsidised in whole or in part by the government. The good news, there was a lot of forecasting that June's official unemployment rate in Australia, however flawed that metric actually is, would exceed 10%. That was a lot of the talk early in this recession. The consensus forecasts now are more like 7.5%. Now that speaks to the underutilised but employed people. It's linked somewhat to those who have given up on the system. Uh, And it does show the success of the JobKeeper program. If that has managed to keep unemployment at 7.5% instead of 10%, that's a good thing. And while there will be zombie jobs, there will be zombie businesses when JobKeeper ends, there'll be a lot of jobs that get lost and businesses that shut down because they're right now they're the walking dead propped up by those stimulus packages. There will also be businesses and jobs that have survived either in a good way because the money's kept floating around and so those people have been able to continue to add value in the economy and keep their jobs or just because the business owner hasn't been forced to realize that they could do that job with three people instead of four, for example. That latter one is one of the uh, sad things of government stimulus packages. We need a good recession sometimes to clear out the inefficiencies in a business in an economy. If there are parts of your business that could be done with three people instead of four, recession is a time when you have to learn that. The JobKeeper program means you don't get the opportunity to learn that. You continue to be inefficient. You set your business up for another pain point in the next recession or through competition, whatever, further down. However, there's no doubting that the JobKeeper has achieved its aim. Next week, we get April's UK figures. They're way behind in reporting these data. That will let us see if their furlough program, which funded jobs but meant employees were not able to work, was as successful as Australia's JobKeeper program. I'm definitely hearing from my clients and connections in the UK that businesses are having those realisations. They're happy that people, their staff, are getting money through the furlough program, but they will not be taking on board all of those people back again because they've learned that they could do that job with three people instead of four, for example. Next week, we also get the final version of the USA's March quarter GDP. Already that's been revised down to negative 5% GDP growth. It was originally negative 4.8%. It's been revised down to 5%. Next week, we get the final figure to see just how bad that was. And remember, The consensus forecast is that the June quarter will be a lot worse than the March quarter. As always, if you've liked this, like, subscribe, tell your friends, and you can join the mailing list to make sure you receive this in your inbox with a lot more of the business support, what you as a business owner can do based on the economic snapshot, the wider economy, and your business in general. Into your inbox every week at jacobaldridge.com.